to see the demon in you doesn't wanna come out and play. I can see the demon in you doesn't wanna come out and play. Everybody say fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Everybody say fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. What's going down? Welcome back to the Fuck This Shit Podcast. It's your boy Dre back again. Y'all already know we start the podcast the same way each and every week. Thank y'all for taking the time out to listen to this motherfucker. I know most of y'all grown or you live and grown if you listen to this thing. So I know your time is precious. So appreciate you spending your time here. You feel me? Uh, so link in the show notes as always. It'll take you to all the social media platforms. You can go follow all of that and share shit so more people can see shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can become a subscriber for $5. You know what I'm saying? You get the episodes early. You get a video of the episode. It's just you can see this beautiful face of mine while i give you this good content you know what i'm saying it's like uh only fans but not really anything that only thing the only thing that's similar is the subscription to be honest because i ain't on here fucking but anyway for five dollars you get that you know what i'm saying and uh we always appreciate those people because one day i'm gonna quit my job behind them five dollars you know what i'm saying one one brick at a time we gonna build this resignation letter um <laughs> uh there is also a phone number in the show notes you can call the phone number leave a voicemail to the show i'll play your voicemails to the show um because i love to hear y'all's feedback um right now the voicemail is um empty again but it's cool you know what i'm saying i get it i get it i told you i know you got a life in the beginning my feelings not hurt but I am going to play them crickets every time that thing empty. That's what I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, leave a review wherever you're listening to this thing. That's important. It makes people see the podcast more, you know, all of that. Uh, tell a friend because uh, that's the best way to get a podcast out there. And, uh, you know, make them feel like they're missing out. For real, for real. Um, I guess uh, with all that, we'll get the podcast started. I uh, I don't really have too much going on in my personal life. I've been uh, but I have been thinking. I've been I've been in my mind. There's been a lot of things that have happened. Um, some of them just in people's personal lives that I've seen. Some of them actual like major stories. But I just had some kind of random thoughts, and I don't. I feel like I don't spend a lot of time on my personal soapbox. Like I. I know some of y'all are like, oh, nigga, yes, you do. But (laughs) I mean, uh, a lot of times I'm talking about how I feel about major things in the context of blah, 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 whatever. But it's not really a personal, this is how I feel about that. This has been on my mind. So I felt like, you know, in this moment, we was going to have that. I don't really have the, you know, perfect place to put it. So I'm just going to go under anything else that's kind of centered around me real nigga story time all right so i'm talking to the homie and 
and he's telling me about his nephew, right? And his nephew's like 15, 16, something like that or whatever. And his mama done found out that he didn't start smoking weed and shit like that. And, you know, just, just basic shit for teenagers, right? It's not really just crazy. You know what I'm saying? He's not just out here just wilding in these streets or nothing. But the homie was kind of like, nah, I really want to get with him and, and chop it up with him because it's like, this time in his life basically is so important that even though this isn't the end of the world and it's not the biggest thing that could ever happen, it's still detrimental to his future in ways that he's not really paying attention to. Right. I mean, aside from the fact that, well, we know now that we grown is that smoking weed when you that young, like your mind ain't done developing. Like it, it could, it, it's not as dry as an adult deciding that they want to consume. You know what I'm saying? So he's kind of talking about that. And and that conversation is one of the things that really had me thinking about how if it's anything that I would want the, the next generation behind me, I guess, if you want to put it that way to, to really grasp or the young people in my family, my daughter, my little cousins, my brothers and sisters to really be able to grasp early is how, important it is to do the work early like i feel like we tell these kids oh you gotta work hard and get into college and get a good job and all of that and we make it seem like it's something that they have to do right and i think as a result it comes off like you can't have any fun because you have to be responsible right But I think as you get older and you really pay attention to it, I think most of us realize the truth isn't really you can't have any fun because you have to be responsible. It's that if you really want to have fun, being responsible on the front end is how you're going to make that happen. So, like, when I think about even myself, man, when I'm 14, 15, 16, 17, all through 24, really, I'm just living life. No plan. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes shit good, sometimes shit bad. It was times where I had a lot of money. It was times where I didn't have no money. But everything was about, oh, let's have fun and keep the fun going, right? But because I didn't, like, bear down and focus in that beginning, in those early stages, it cost me the ability to have the real fun now. So, like, in comparison to like, I'm in a position now where my family, they're comfortable. Like my kids are comfortable, but I'm not comfortable. You see what I'm saying? I have to work and I know how much I have to work more than they understand because of the comfort level that they feel. But they don't understand that this isn't, this wasn't built up ahead of time. And then I put y'all in it. I've been building this as we've been going pretty much the whole time because I never really had a moment early on where I set this up. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to figure it out as we go. And now we finally in a position where I've been consistent enough. That shit is cool, but it's still not the same, right? The real fun isn't smoking weed when you 15. The real fun is being able to go wherever the fuck you want to go when you 35, when you 30, 
You could just get on a fucking plane with your family and jet. If you by yourself, you could get on a plane by yourself and just dip. Go see some friends. Go see some sites. Go somewhere you've never been. Go experience shit. And what I don't think we do a good enough job is explaining to the next generation that it's not that I don't want you to have fun. It's that I'm trying to show you how to have fun. Like You think that Anything you could do at 15 will be more fun at 25. And and I will say that forever. If you were smoking when you was 15, what you and your friends had to do to smoke, sneaking behind your parents back and all that, you might have got like an adrenaline rush off of that in some kind of way. But genuinely, if you were a real smoker, being able to just smoke in your house and not worry about nothing and not have to scrounge together the money to smoke with eight other niggas and all this other stuff, way better experience. Way better experience. Motherfuckers want to like speed up and do everything so young. Kids want to have sex in high school and super young. And listen, I literally had my child when I was 16 years old. But the sex you having at 16 versus the sex you having at 26, if it's the same sex, I just want you to know. You're not having good sex. You're one of the 26-year-olds who motherfuckers be you in the group chat and you're not having good things said about you, man or woman. It's like this shit is basic, nigga. Like it's just not, it's not the same. When you get grown, you're an adult. You know what I'm saying? You just, I don't know, you just more prepared for the situation. And it's like that with every fucking thing. You spend all this time and all this energy trying to sneak and do shit before you're supposed to really be doing it. And then you look up and you don't have life set up around you. So like, yeah, you've been smoking since you was 15, but like you don't really have a good job. So, you know, I don't know how to make that a more concise statement or make that idea make more sense. And I don't even know if it really does, you know, as much as it did in my mind when I was thinking it through, you know, sometimes it'd be like that, but, I was really just thinking about, you know, it was kids I went to high school with who were super focused in high school and they weren't at none of the parties and they wasn't doing none of the quote unquote cool shit. But now it's like one dude in particular who I'm thinking about, my guy live in L.A. He got the foreigns, the whips and the women, if that's your thing, you know what I'm saying? He be out in the club. He doing whatever he want to do. And he has a really good job and he has really good standing and like the networking in his industry and shit like that. So it's like he's not struggling to do that stuff. He's not fake flossing to do that shit. He's doing that shit because he has the space to do that. And to be honest with you, I don't think that this lesson is only for the, the next generation. I think a lot of people need to hear that right now because I know so many people my age who are trying so hard to be doing what they want to be doing long term that they fucking they self off in the present because they don't really have it. Like they watching people do shit and go on trips and do all this fun and exciting and adventurous things. And they want to be a part of it so bad that they Spending money, they don't have to do it barely to just barely get there. You know what I'm saying? To be have, have to get to the destination and then you penny pinching and trying to find the cheapest way to do and all this other stuff. When in truth, what you need to do is focus on how do I get myself into a position to be able to consistently live the way that I want to live? Like what decisions do I need to make in the short term so that I can really be able to do 
what I want to do the way I want to do it. And that's really what it boils down to me, uh, boils down to to me. And I think that all of us know that, but actually applying that is so difficult. And sometimes you have that for me, it took something happening. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get just have a light bulb moment one day. I was living my life with more money than I knew what to do with. And then the police was like, hey, my nigga, maybe you should reconsider how you got to this point. And I'm 24 years old and I got to start over and I don't got shit to my name, but a high school diploma. And uh, man, if you ask the people I went to school with, I was real smart. And I don't do shit that don't do shit at 24. And a lot of people and I'm not trying to big up myself in this moment, but what a lot of people do when they find themselves in that moment is they fold because they like, fuck, I don't have the tools that I thought I had to really navigate adulthood. But the reality is, if you ever come to that point and you see yourself in that moment, all you got to do is make the pivot. And you're like, well, fuck it. I got to go get the tools. Like, what they say you need out here? They say you need a degree. Fuck it. I'm going to go get a degree. Or you need a trade. Fuck it. I'm going to go get a trade. Or you need to know people in the industry that you're interested in. Well, I'm about to get to know these people. Whatever the fuck it is that you want to do or how you're going to figure it out, you got to you gotta push play on that shit. But, you know, Anyway. That's it for that, man. I, I didn't want to just be sitting here randomly rambling and blah, 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 blah about all of my shit. So, you know, that was really all I had on that one. Um, I guess that being said, uh, we'll uh, go get some money real quick and then we'll do uh, start some of these motherfucking segments. All right, y'all, man, we about to jump this off with a little bit of grown-up news. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this one, man, I, I knew this was going – this was just a big story, and I had to to say something. But when I wake up and everybody on my Facebook is talking about something, it's got to come to this motherfucker because y'all are grown-ups and it's your news, so, you know, whatever. Cash App suffers a glitch causing duplicate charges, negative balances. Mobile payment service Cash App is investigating issues with this software after users noticed that it was duplicating payments, leaving some users with negative balances. The company said in an update at 5.47 p.m. Eastern on Monday that it was aware of the issue causing duplicate cash card transactions, which is making some customers see negative account balances. The message came a minute after it told users it had restored its in-app support channel while phone support remained unavailable. Cash App is one of one of a growing number of digital payment services allowing users to transfer funds to and from other bank accounts in the United States. Since its launch in 2013, the app has grown to have over 51 million monthly active users across the U.S. and the United Kingdom. The company said in 2021 that it had over 70 million users in total. Uh, yeah, Cash App's talking about how it like cash app start letting people buy bitcoin and shit like that or whatever um i seen y'all talking this shit about how y'all cash apps that got wiped out and before first of all i really didn't realize how many of y'all was using cash app as your pri- primary financial institution and for me 
Cash App just seems a little too mm, janky for me to like use as my bank. Even if I couldn't have a bank account, something going on and, you know, because shit happens. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all that had things happen and you can't get an account or some of y'all niggas just literally let them do them ignorant ass scams on your account. Now you can never have a bank account again, but you know, whatever. But for whatever reason that you can't have a bank or don't have a bank account, I'm not saying you can't use cash app to get your check direct deposited into, or like use a cash app when you need to do little things or having a cash card or whatever. I feel using that, but I would always assume that if I was in a situation like that, nigga, I'm keeping my cash on me. When I need to pay something, I'm going to put it on Cash App real quick. If I need to send something to somebody, I'm going to put it on Cash App real quick. But to find out that y'all just letting your money sit on Cash App? (laughs) Nigga, please. First of all, I be watching them scam people's Cash Apps all the time. Individual Cash Apps getting scammed. So I already knew it wasn't safe. It ain't Chase. This is like Cash App is like the spirit airlines of financial institutions. If you're using Cash App, I'm not saying you can't use it, but you can't trust it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I've been broke. I've been, I done had situations going on before, bro. I've been eating the $5.99 buffets at CC's Pizza and pulling up and and and, and walking in the, the best lot, uh, best lots, walking in the big lots for furniture. And I have had to go to Dollar Tree. And, and buy things. And I've been tempted to see if anything in this food section is edible because a nigga do got a dollar and I am hungry. But you know what I knew about the Dollar Tree food? You could buy it, but you can't trust it. And that's Cash App as a bank, bro. Cash App is the Dollar Tree of financial institutions, bro. These niggas put, took down the support. They was like, oh, shit, everybody bread gone. And they took the support system down. They They, they stopped answering the phone, bro. They pulled the phone off the hook and took down the digital support system until they figured it out. And then they put out a message like, oh, our bad. We see what happened to y'all. So that's wild. Yeah, can't do that. Those are the rules of using Cash App as your bank. Is that really you don't have a bank? You just a cash heavy ass motherfucker. And it's nothing wrong with that. Uh when asked to comment, a spokesperson for Cash App referred Newsweek to its status updates. In a tweet on Tuesday, it had pledged to notify customers who have been impacted and refund any duplicate charges that resulted from the issue. I mean, yeah, of course they're going yeah, to give you your money back. But I would imagine that a percentage of the people who are using Cash App as their bank may not have time for you to give them their money back, nigga. I'd, be, I'd have been in positions not long ago where I needed all my money right now i can't not have no access to my shit for a few days you got me over here paying late fees and i don't got a backup stash i need it all today uh-uh yeah uh said it's in that support function back up and running but warned that waiting times may be increased right now due to phone support currently being unavailable because they ain't put the phone back on the hook we appreciate your patience. Anytime a company tell me they appreciate my patience, I'll be wanting to take my patronage somewhere else because I already know this is about to be some fuck shit, but whatever. In other news, this is honestly the biggest, the biggest uh, story in grown-up news right now. It fits the narrative of grown-up news a little bit more. Um, but I already had another story in it. I wanted to talk about it before we talked about this. 
divided Supreme Court outlaws affirmative action in college admissions says race can't be used. The Supreme Court has struck down affirmative action in college admissions, forcing institutions of higher education to look for new ways to achieve diverse student bodies. The Supreme Court on Thursday struck down affirmative action in college admissions, declaring race cannot be a factor and forcing institutions of higher education to look for new ways to achieve diverse student bodies. The court's conservative majority effectively overturned cases reaching back 45 years and invalidating admissions plans at at Harvard and the University of North Carolina, the nation's oldest private and public colleges, respectively. The decision, like last year's momentous abortion ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, marked a realization of a long-sought conservative legal goal, this time finding that race-conscious admissions plans violate the Constitution and a law that applies to colleges that receive federal funding, as almost all do. Those schools would be forced to reshape their admissions practices, especially top schools that are more likely to consider the race of applicants. Chief Justice John Roberts said that for too long, universities have concluded wrongly that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not the challenges bested, skills built, or lessons learned, but the color of their skin. Our constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. From the White House, President Joe Biden said he strongly, strongly disagreed with the court's ruling and urged colleagues to seek other routes uh, to diversity rather than letting the ruling be the last word. Besides the conservative liberal split, the fight over affirmative action showed the deep gulf between the three justices of color, each of whom wrote separately and vividly about race in America and where the decision might lead. Justice Clarence Thomas the nation's second black justice who had a long call, who had long called for an answer affirmative action, wrote that the decision sees the university's admissions policies for what they are, rudderless race-based preferences designed to ensure a particular racial mix in their entering classes. Justice Sonia Stoudemire, the court's first Latina, wrote in dissent that the decision rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. Both Thomas and Stoudemire, the two justices who have acknowledged affirmative action, played a role in their admissions to college and law school, took the unusual step of reading the summaries of their opinions aloud in the courtroom. In a separate dissent, Justice Kentaji Brown-Jackson, the court's first black female justice, called the decision truly a tragedy for us all. Jackson, who sat out the Harvard case because she had been a member of an advisory governing board, wrote, with the let them eat cake obliviousness, oh, I'm sorry, with the let them eat cake obliviousness today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But but deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. The vote was 6-3 in North Carolina case and 6-2 in the Harvard case. Justice Elena Kagan was the other dissenter. Biden, who quickly stepped before the cameras at the White House, said the nation's colleagues said to the nation's colleagues they should not abandon their commitment to ensure student bodies of diverse backgrounds and experiences that they should not abandon their commitment to ensure student bodies of diverse backgrounds and experience that reflect. Oh my goodness. They should not abandon their commitment to ensure student bodies of diverse backgrounds and experience that reflect all of America. That is not a hard statement. God damn. Uh, He said colleagues should uh, evaluate adversity overcome by candidates. Should adverse what? Oh, colleges should evaluate adversity overcome by candidates. 
Okay. I get what he's saying there. Sorry, I got tongue-tied at the end of that and got confused. So, this comes back to what I feel I've said a million times. If you listen to the podcast long enough, you absolutely heard this shit. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please understand that this is something I truly, truly believe, and you'll hear it again. Black people in particular, in particular, sorry, black people in particular do not have the luxury of sitting out votes or kind of dying on the idealism that we're going to have a candidate that's going to be perfect for us in a different way than other people experience that our stakes are just much higher. Uh, the blatant attack on our rights, our citizenship, our ability to effectively pursue our own autonomy in this country is consistently going to be under attack. It's consistently going to be in jeopardy. And small things that I would like to not matter, just do. The difference between a Donald Trump and a Joe Biden, even if it was only the people they would put on the Supreme Court, has such lasting implications that even when you jump back in, even if you decide now that it's important or that it matters to you, the damage has already been done and that damage is going to continue to go for a long time. Supreme Court justices are lifetime nominees. So as it stands, these kind of decisions are what we have to look forward to. To have a Supreme Court that looks at an admissions policy that is basically based in it's the thing about affirmative action as far as colleges are concerned is it's not even for black people. It's not even diversity for the sake of the people who are getting admitted in. It's not Harvard saying we want to make sure more black kids come to Harvard because black kids deserve a Harvard education. It's literally them saying part of the college education is supposed to be preparing these young people for the world that they're going to enter and having them experience this, having them experience college with a diversity of thought and culture around them increases that. It makes that more valuable. It makes that more, it makes that more broad. It makes that understanding of the world around them more profound. It makes them better stewards for, whatever it is that they should choose to associate themselves with because they understand whatever it is from a number of different angles that they wouldn't have if they were all just there based on how rich and entrenched into the legacy of that place those students already were. This lawsuit was brought forth basically by a white man who used Asian Americans as a prop to say, hey, y'all go up here and say that it's not fair to you 
that when they're looking for minorities, that they're they're picking black kids that don't have the same. It, it takes a higher score from an Asian to get in than it does for for a black kid to get into the same school because affirmative action wants more black kids, and that's what they're looking for. And that's like how this shit all gets started, and then you just find like the crazy thing about it is that the people who are pushing for this aren't even impacted by it. It wasn't even really somebody who gave a fuck about the potential that there might really be Asian kids who are missing out on a Harvard admission because of affirmative action. And all of this living in a reality that there's kids, these legacy kids, the kids whose parents and grandparents went to Harvard and Yale and these other schools, those are the kids who are getting in with the test scores that don't really equate to the status that they have like those are the like, those are the george bushes of the world that you, you over here watching george bush jr in interviews and you like this motherfucker went to ivy league school and it's like yeah he did because his dad did and that's how he got in that's the quote unquote injustice if you want to say it is for getting into these prestigious schools but i don't know man it's just like the argument that they had it's hard to even put together an argument against it because it's like founded in nothing it's it's just in my opinion a way to ensure that the working class continues to look the same it's a way to make it more difficult for black people to do what they swear they want us to do which is pull ourselves by the bootstraps and just do it on your own and figure it out and just rise through the adversity you know, it's not like affirmative action in colleges has made Harvard the blackest place in America. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you go to these major institutions and it's just like, oh, my God, this is fucking Wakanda. Even with affirmative action in place, when you go to these when you go to major universities, you know what most people what, what the black community refers to these as? PWIs. All of them. They're all considered PWIs to us. Affirmative action didn't make UT not a primarily white institution to no black folks, bro. It ain't no major college university that the black community doesn't consider a PWI. And affirmative action didn't change that shit at all. And when you take it away, I guarantee you, you will see what these campuses look like start to change. And I actually really do like what Joe Biden had to say about it because he acknowledged the reality that I feel like all politicians know because they do this in other ways is that you can target black people without actually saying black because black people have a unique experience in America. That statement at the end that I was stumbling over where he was saying that uh, colleges should evaluate adversity overcome by candidates. You know, what kind of neighborhood you came from, what obstacles you had to go through to be able to be presented with the opportunity to possibly go to this institution. Because if you had to go through a lot to get here, chances are probably black. You know, I don't know, bro. It's I, I, I appreciate the sentiment, I guess, but it's just frustrating to see this is the consistent trend that we seen. It was Roe v. Wade first. Now it's affirmative action in colleges. I would be certain that affirmative action and hiring is coming. You've already watched the Supreme Court gut voting rights. Uh, 
and they ruled in favor of that Alabama gerrymander. I don't know how much y'all know about that. I didn't cover it on here, but basically they had fucking drawn a voting district lines where they put all the black people in one district so that basically they would have one set of representation while the entire rest of the state was represented by Republicans, even though that's not how those black people are really distributed throughout the state. They voted that down. But in my opinion, that was just because they didn't feel like the way they presented that was how they wanted to push it through because they want to, they want to vote on a gerrymander that's more, that's got a more airtight case, in my opinion. That'll be the one that the Supreme Court votes yes on. And it just, it's a, it's a result of a lot of, not just black people, you know what I'm saying, but young people, uh, just all these people skipping out on, and I'm not talking about the Joe Biden, Donald Trump election. I'm talking about the Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump election. You got to go back. You got to go back. Not letting them have motherfuckers focused on some stupid ass emails and people letting whatever weird misogyny that they have going on that makes them think a woman couldn't be a world leader and all these other idiot ass takes that were like, somehow Donald Trump will be a better president than Hillary Clinton. I just, I'll never be able to make it make sense to me how people were able to make that decision in their mind make sense. But it's the reason why we're in the situation we in now. And it is literally imperative that people see that and say, we've got to be in this for the long game the same way these motherfuckers were. These Republicans played this for the long game. And as far as the courts are concerned, they won, at least in the short term, because these appointments last so long. So they're like, are these Democrats going to be able to maintain momentum long enough for motherfuckers to die and them get to replace them? We don't think they can. We think that they want results so fast that they'll waver in their support. And they'll allow us to keep these small pockets of power that ultimately render them incapable of seeking the change that they want. That's the Republican strategy. So when you watch affirmative action get overturned, when you watch Roe v. Wade get overturned, when you watch whatever they about to do when this gerrymander shit gets revisited, because I would bet you my bottom dollar it does. You can't let that be the reason why none of this shit matters. And I shouldn't even participate in it. There's no reason for me to go vote because you see the way they are. Because literally, the fact that they have the opposite mentality of voting is the reason why this happened. Them motherfuckers voted through Obama. They voted through all of that shit. They were like, we're going to keep going. Anytime they, they voted through Bill Clinton, they voted, they kept coming. They were like, whatever, whatever things that they get done. We're going to keep showing up until we find a way to snatch back a little bit of power. And the only way to beat that is to adopt that same mentality. So that's that's all I got for that. Um, It has been a while since we did any real like uh, Texas news. So, uh, you know. Yeah!
the official name of this uh this segment is now uh Texas Gone Text. Cause a lot of times you hear this bullshit and it gets super centered around Florida and everybody's like, oh, Florida's bullshit, blah, 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 blah. DeSantis is bullshit. And honestly, I think that that's ableist. I think that the reason why people want to say that DeSantis is the number one government for a uh, governor for oppression is because he's not in a wheelchair. I think that y'all are hating on Hot Wheels, Abby, and y'all are not giving him his due credit as one of the evil villains. One of the, if this is, if they had the, uh, come on, the Legion of Doom right now. Greg Abbott wouldn't just be some auxiliary character. That's what I'm saying. So y'all going to quit sleeping on Texas like we not over here living in basically Jim Crow. You know what I'm saying? Just like Florida. We want to be victims too. We Texas citizens, we victims too. But uh, anyway. Texas declared one of the tightest states in the country. I saw this article and I I had to read it because I was like, by what do you mean? Do you mean like the Negro version of tightest state? Like, oh, Texas is tight. Because I mean, aside from the homophobia and the racism and the blatant disregard for people who live in poverty and homeless people and uh, power grid and the heat. Um, aside from all those things, Texas is pretty dope. I mean, the houses be nice. You know what I'm saying? We be having little pools, community pools and shit. You know what I'm saying? We got really good food, restaurants, uh, major cities. All the artists come through here. And if we get, if you want to go to a concert, you ain't got to go out of town. You know, we got, we got some benefits. We got some things. I've talked before about how Houston is the only place I've ever been where you can get twerking with your French toes. I, I'm sure Atlanta's got some of that too. But I haven't been to Atlanta. But anyway, so I wasn't sure what they meant about tight. Would you consider the life you lead tight or loose? It turns out where you live has a lot to do with how you'll likely answer. Although a few of our largest cities, including Houston, are likely considered loose. Texas on a whole is not. First of all, this uh, first. Wait. I wonder if the looseness has something to do with the French toast twerk. Anyway, first of all. This has nothing to do with where your uh where your 12-year-old brain might have gone. All right, shots fired. Shots fired. All right. Well, actually, maybe a little, but it does have more to do with how researchers across the country are looking more closely at where people live and if they are likely to lead a tight or loose life. What's the difference between a tight or a loose state? Well, that's quite a bit. At least according to these folks, the University of Maryland College of Behavioral and Social Sciences professor of psychology, Michelle J. Gelfand, had this to say. Tightness versus looseness also relates to the average state personality. Individuals in tighter states tend to exhibit higher conscientiousness, a trait associated with greater impulse control, conformity to social norms and self-constraint. Looseness is associated with a higher openness, a trait associated with greater tolerance and curiosity, non-traditional values and beliefs, and a preference for originality. The authors of the study say that there are pros and cons to both, where tight states tend to be more socially stable, orderly, and exhibit more personal self-control 
they also tend to have higher incarceration rates, greater discrimination, lower creativity, and lower happiness. On the other hand, loose states tend to be more creative, have greater equality and tolerance and be happier, but they also exhibit higher drug and alcohol abuse and greater social instability. Instability. Okay. So it sounds to me like there's a trade-off for fun and stability. Okay, so here's the thing, right? This article is kind of misleading to me because I feel like what it wants me to do is make my own leap to, oh, all these places where there's less incarceration and less discrimination are more dangerous. But it didn't say that. It said there was more social instability. And I'm curious as to what exactly they mean by that. Because I feel like if it had something to do with safety, they would have overtly said, oh, it's more dangerous in this whatever, whatever, whatever. Because what I'm hearing is in these tight states, it's a bunch of people giving a fuck about some shit that ain't really their business. And they over here worried about what other people are doing, which rings true as a motherfucker who lives in Texas, watching these people make governing decisions about what people get to decide to do with their lives. You know, you can't take your child to a drag show. Like, okay, listen, do I take my child to a drag show? No. If my neighbor was like, hey, can we take, well, actually, I take that back. My oldest is 16. If she wanted to go to a drag show, I wouldn't give a fuck at all. Would I take my six, seven-year-old to a drag show? Probably not. I'm going to go with no. If my neighbors were like, we're taking our six and seven year old to this drag show. Can we take yours? I would be like, no, nah, we're going we gonna to pass on that. Would I call the police because they're taking their kids to the drag show? Though? No, because those are my fucking kids. And if they take them kids from their parents, I'm not going to want to pay more taxes to feed them because I know you conservative ass motherfuckers don't want to actually help no fucking motherless child. Fuck them orphans from the kid, from the parents that you took them from for some innocuous difference in parenting that doesn't have shit to do with a child's safety. Like, that to me does sound like a tight-ass state. It does sound like what I live in. It does sound like a world where a motherfucker will be more concerned with whether or not they kid would find out that it's gay people around than they would about, I don't know, if they could fucking read or write. Like, if my kid goes to school and they read about some gay people, I'm going to just be glad they can read because that's what the fuck they went there for. But it's gay people in the world. You could try and hide this shit from your kids all you want, but they're going to encounter it at some point, And then they're just not going to know what to do with it. They're going to have all this internalized shame because you made them feel like this shit was the fucking devil. And then your kid get grown and they gay. And then they over here wanting to fucking self-harm and all this other shit because they parents that made this the most taboo thing on the planet instead of maybe just treating it like a part of society that exists and don't have shit to do with parenting but whatever that's the sexual i guess that's the tight i guess so yeah texas is the tightest state i agree next um this is more along the lines of what i was saying about how they acting like greg abbott isn't in high competition for most oppressive governor Texas Republicans this week. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Texas just annihilated local democracy in Texas. That's the headline. Texas Republicans this week completed their demolition of local democracy in the state when Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill that drastically limits the ability of cities and countries, or sorry, counties, to enact progressive policies. 
House Bill 2127, pushed by corporate lobbyists and signed into law on Wednesday, prohibits municipalities from adopting and enforcing new local ordinances that contradict what's permitted under nine broad areas of Texas state code. The new law doesn't just prevent localities from implementing fresh regulations. It even overturns existing measures and that exceed state rules governing agriculture, business and commerce, finance, insurance, labor, local government, natural resources, occupations and property. Progressives have long condemned HB 2127 as the Death Star Bill, a reference to the space station the Empire used to destroy self-governing planets in Star Wars. The When the law takes effect on September 1st, democratically elected policymakers will be preempted from improving working conditions, tenant rights, environmental safeguards, and more. HB 2127 is an unprecedented, dangerous power grab that is already beginning to put workers' safety at risk and will leave our communities vulnerable in times of crisis. The state will now have a near total control of issues that impact us most. Texans didn't ask for this. While the GOP Texas Senate approved the legislation last month, San Antonio Mayor Ron Nirenberg called it probably the most undemocratic thing the legislature has done. And that list is getting very long. Um, Gulf Co- the Gulf Coast AFL-CIO similarly, similarly decried HB 2127 as a dangerous attack on democracy that will fundamentally alter Texas. It will roll back decades of worker protections and public safety measures and ban new ones. The union declared last month leaders we elect to serve our communities won't be able to pass policies that address our needs as working people. So all politics it's hypocrisy. All politicians, you can find hypocrisy in the things that they've supported and the things that they've said as far as where they stand as a party or as individuals. But my, it's just, the Republican Party, one of their major platforms is small government. Basically, it's the way that they shirk responsibility to do anything for the constituents that they serve by saying that whatever entity they belong to shouldn't control it because they'll just fuck it up. An entity more close to you should solve it. And once it gets down to the bottom level of a political entity, they're like, the private sector should solve it because Republicans are all about we don't know what the fuck we're doing, so we can't do it for you. Someone else should. That's basically what I've always took that platform to mean. For Texas to enact this bill where they say, mm, actually, because our major cities don't politically align with our state government, what we're going to do is take away their ability to, to, uh, to autonomously govern their constituents, and we're going to make them follow fall under whatever we were going to do for the whole state. So because the governor may want some environmental regulations that don't align with the belief of climate change or some of the climate change goals that some of these 
progressive mayors have enacted or some of the uh, employment, um, like labor safety things that some of these other states feel like, oh, we should have worker protections. And the state's like, nah, not really. We don't think you should be able to do that. Just the the notion that because these states or these cities, uh, uh, my apologies, because these cities don't agree with what we want to do as a state, they shouldn't be able to decide anymore, even though these decisions were made by Democratic, democratically elected officials. It's just, it blows my mind every time. I just can't wrap my mind around how somebody can try and convince me that, no, these are the people who I want to support. Because my question to you will be, why? Why would you want to support somebody who will take responsibility for something if it gives them power, but doesn't want any responsibility for anything that they would actually have to do? I just, whatever. I guess if that's your jam and you you, you, you do that, but just just know that to me, there's there's I'm beyond the oh we all have political differences and everyone has different ideologies and blah blah blah. You just kind of fucking stupid to me. Like you're just not that smart to me. If you find any of these policies or any of these practices to be beneficial to you or the people who these uh, politicians are supposed to serve, they don't give a fuck about you. So whatever. Um, Texas where heat-related workplace deaths have doubled in the last 10 years, is already among the most dangerous places in the country for workers. More workers have succumbed to heat illness in Texas than any other state over the past three decades. The deadly effects of extreme heat are only projected to grow worse in the U.S. and other rich nations as other rich nations fail to adequately confront fossil fuel-driven co- uh, climate crisis. The Texas Republicans have chosen to exacerbate the problem by outlawing required water breaks and other essential protections. This, see, again... It's a motherfucker right now who work a job where two months ago he was guaranteed to have a water break. And now he has no legal right to that water break. And he's still going to go vote for Republicans when the the next time he gets the chance, he's still going to blame Joe Biden for this. So just (laughs) the signing of H. uh, Sorry. Uh, U.S. Rep. Greg. uh, Caesar, a recently elected progressive member of Congress who represents a district between Austin and San Antonio, noted that laws such as HB 2127 underscore the need for federal legislation to enhance public health and well-being of the workers and ecosystems. The law is expected to go far beyond barring municipalities from mandating water breaks for construction workers. Mandatory paid sick leave and minimum wage provisions are also on the chopping block. So one thing I think um, a lot of people know is that these big cities pay more like city workers and shit like that. You get paid more to do that per se in Houston than you would in like Lawton. Or even if you're in the same city, like Wichita Falls, sanitation workers probably don't make what the sanitation workers make out here because, you know, bigger cities got more to do. They got more money. They pay more. It's a more competitive work environment, whatever. Um, Texas is like, nah, we about to drop that down. And that, again, to me, is one of those things to where they make decisions that they know are going to fuck shit up for us. Let's say that Texas drops the, the, the wage for city employees in these major cities. So Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin. The let's say they was getting paid twenty dollars to do this shit, and they're like, "No, nah, the whole state gets paid. The average rate for the state is is fourteen eighty five. That's what everybody makes now." 
all the other places to work in Houston, Dallas, all these areas, they're not going to drop that just because the state made the city drop it. So now the city is going to be less competitive for good workers. So now you're going to get a lower quality of workers and you're going to have a harder time filling positions. So now all of your city shit is going to be falling the fuck apart. You're going to have motherfucking water mains that's taking forever to get repaired and motherfuckers is going to be taking forever to come get your trash off the street and they're going to be reducing our trash days down and making all of these fucking cuts that they have to do because they don't have the same level of staffing that they once had and that's all going to be the result of a state decision because these little podunk ass fucking counties in the middle of nowhere like of course you could pay a nigga $17 an hour to go do something that you'd have to pay him $30 an hour to do here because $17 an hour in a place where the median income is $30,000 a year is a lot of fucking money whatever we live in the sugar daddy capital of the world baby it ain't gonna do it here (laughs) uh Next, next, next fucking article. Workers die in, in Texas heat as Greg Abbott's water break ban comes under fire. A Texas postal worker collapsed and died on Tuesday amid the stifling heat that was that has hit the state in recent weeks. An incident that's likely to exacerbate criticism of Governor Abbott's recent water break ban. Like, I mean, I just don't understand where is the political capital in telling motherfuckers they can't have a water break? Who supports, who hears that and thinks, yeah, fuck them. Anyway, a man, uh, the man identified as Eugene Gates Jr. collapsed in front of in the front yard on Tuesday while going door to door in the extreme heat of Dallas, where temperatures have reached 115 degrees. The homeowner went outside to perform CPR on Gates, but he died. The official cause of his death has not yet been determined. The Texas heat index on Dallas on Tuesday reached the highest in the Dallas Fort Worth area since 1980. Uh, June 21st, officials reported another worker, 35-year-old utility lineman from West Virginia, has died in heat-related causes while working to restore power in Texas. Uh, Texas is experiencing temps over 100 degrees. Just last week, Governor Abbott signed a Death Star bill that will eliminate protections like rest and water breaks for workers across the state. Uh, Yeah, man, like we, we basically already talked about this is just, I mean... These articles are days apart. It's like he signed this bill and they're like, okay, well, motherfuckers is already dying because it's hot. And I don't, and to be honest, by the way that article reads, I couldn't tell you for certain that those people died specifically because they didn't have the rest or water break protections that they would have. I don't know if those things have really went into play shit. I don't know if that really applied. I think the point is really more so it's too fucking hot here to tell motherfuckers they can't have water. Um. Anyway, that's all we got for that, man. That's all I got for for Texans gonna text, man. We're gonna take another little break, and then we'll come back with another segment. All right, man. Uh, this is one of the newest segments in the in the show. Uh, we got whose man's is this? Uh, dedicated to motherfuckers who do wild shit, making you think whose man's is this? Mexican politician arrested in Texas with ninety three pounds of cocaine in the car on Wednesday. Uh, Denise Armanda, Ahumanda, Denise. 
was still listed as one of about 20 members of the Renosa City Council. Court records show she was arrested on June 10th at an endless security checkpoint in Falfurious, Texas, after an X-ray inspection of her SUV uh, showed abnormalities in the door panels and the seats. Border Patrol agents found 42 packages wrapped in duct tape and foil, each containing about a kilogram about a kilogram of cocaine. About. Shawty was coming all the way down here just to short people. I mean, all I'm saying is that if you're selling kilograms of cocaine, each one of these packages needs to contain exactly a kilogram of cocaine. Because you either shorten me on the on the purchase end or you fucking me on the product end. Nigga, you, you, you over here fattening these sacks up for these motherfuckers, but you ain't fattening up them prices. You, you need to get, get guessing. This is why you need quality assurance in all businesses. That's all I'm saying. In a news release announcing the seizure in Falfurious and another cocaine seizure in Javier Vega Jr. checkpoint, Border Patrol said they have found narcotics totaling 117 pounds with a street value of over $3.7 million. Listen, the police always do this with that shit. They find some weed and they tell you the gram by gram value of that. There's some drugs, period. The gram by gram value of the drugs. As though that's how that shit was getting trapped off. Now, I don't really know how much cocaine keys cost nowadays or nothing like that. But I'd imagine that probably wasn't really $4 million worth of drugs. But whatever. Um, According to uh, prosecutors, Denise told agents she was supposed to have delivered the drugs to San Antonio, Texas. She told agents she had courage. She, oh, she tell it. Yo, whose man's is the, is the police? So you mean to tell me that you got somebody who clearly, if you're coming from Mexico, if you're coming from Mexico, with how many was it? 93 pounds of cocaine. That had to come from the cartel. It ain't niggas out there who got that much. It ain't cartel. The cartel really got a lock on that shit, right? The cartel definitely kills people who tell. Y'all got this woman first and last name talking about she big told. She was like, oh, I was going to San Antonio. And to be honest, I do this all the time. <laughs> okay. Uh, Denise did not respond to email requests for comment because she's dead. There's no Denise. Boy, they didn't, they didn't peel that woman's skin off, bro. She, oh, whatever. She faces a charge of possession with intent to distribute uh, drugs in uh, Southern Texas. Yeah. She was a part of conservative opposition National Action Party. Um, it, they denied that she was a member or supporter of the party and condemned her. But I mean, well, I love when motherfuckers do that. Like, oh, she wasn't with us. Like, bro, we got pictures of y'all together. Like, well, we don't know her. Like, you do know her, bro. That just makes me think that you was in on it. Like, this is how y'all was funding the party. I get I, whatever. Yeah, this is. She's wilding, bro. That was really it. I just, and I mean, being a drug mule is one thing. I get it. But you can't be a famous drug mule. You can't be out here with a title. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, whatever. Next story. Man fatally stabbed a dog in Central Park after his unleashed pit bulls attacked the doom pup. This is a New York Post article. The monster who fatally stabbed a couple's dog in Central Park pulled a switchblade after his three unleashed pit bulls attacked the doomed pup. 
The vicious attack Saturday night happened as a helpless dog's owner scrambled to separate the animals. The suspect's trio of pooches charged after Eli, a 14-year-old pit bull German Shepherd mix around 8.30, who was being walked by a couple from the area. The pair also had their miniature pincher named Sadie with them. Eli and Sadie's owner, Brian Robert, told the Post Sunday, all hell broke loose when he confronted the aggressive dog's owner, whom he'd seen before in the neighborhood. He was trying to correct him and say, it's not okay. Your dog just tried to bite my dog. Brian, who didn't want his full name used out of fear of retribution. And then he just wanted to be a tough guy and started trying to talk to me like he's my dad. I know the guy. I spoke at him, but his dogs never tried to bite my dog. That's when the brute wearing an orange hat, gray shirt and blue jeans unleashed his three dogs, all pit bull mixes and allegedly stabbed Eli to death. He fled the park with his pets. Eli's owner rushed him to the vet and he had to be euthanized. The smaller dog wasn't hurt. Yo. That escalated very quickly. So you mean to tell me my man's was, well, first of all, let me be real with you. I'm not here to say that that dog deserved to get stabbed. I don't think dogs deserve. I've never really read a story and been like, damn, stab that dog. I, well, I have, but t- it, the three pit bulls should have been a t- but, Okay, wait, let's roll. Let's roll back. In my opinion, this is still partially a result of motherfuckers always wanting to be the police. Like, you see this motherfucker and his dogs, and you over here trying to correct them on what he's supposed to be doing with his dogs and all that. Like, that's your position here. You just another nigga walking your dogs. You could have just minded your motherfucking business. And I'm not saying that makes it right that it ended up with your dog dying, but what I am saying is that you could have just minded your motherfucking business. You could have just walked your dogs and went home. You would still have two dogs right now. But you decided. That it was up to you to decide to tell this motherfucker where he and his dogs can shit or whatever the fuck you said to this crazy ass man. And, and this is the reason why I say people should just mind their fucking business. Not because you won't be right. But because you being right won't stop a crazy motherfucker from being crazy. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, you know how they got the crosswalk at the grocery store, right? You're supposed to stop if you want a car and let the people go through. So if you're a person who just walks through the crosswalk without looking up, if you get hit by a car, it won't be, it will be the person driving's fault. But you will be dead. You will be the nigga who got hit by a car still. And if that's the way I feel about a situation like this. Yes, he is wrong for whatever dog park infraction he was committed. But in this moment, you get to decide the danger you want to put yourself in. You could just mind your fucking business and go on about your dogs or you could confront this motherfucker not knowing whether he's crazy or not. And he may do some crazy shit to you. Like, yeah, you could walk in the crosswalk knowing that they're supposed to stop. But what if it's somebody crazy in a car and they just decide they're going to hit you? That's all I'm saying. So the fact that he then unleashed his dog and then stabbed your dog, I mean, I feel like that was probably the most generous thing he did was put your dog out of his misery after it and got bit all the hell up by these three this rogue pack of dogs. And they clearly ain't even found the nigga because they's over here describing his clothes and shit like that. But he didn't got, bruh. he's still on a loose. Let me tell y'all. Let me tell you what you should do. You should mind your motherfucking business. Let's see. Next story. An airline worker texted a passenger as she waited to board her flight after looking up her number in the company system, then told her, block me if she didn't like it. 
motherfuckers are so weird. The contractor working for uh, Ethilad Airways, Ethilad, excuse me. The contractor working at Ethilad Airways sent WhatsApp messages to a British passenger by locating her details in the airline system. 23-year-old Hannah Schmethurst tweeted that she received the messages from Ithalad Airways worker whose name has not been revealed when she was waiting to board the flight from Abu Dhabi to Manchester. A guy who works for the airline used my personal data, which he found via the airline database after seeing my passport, to get my phone number and proceeded to text me. Terrifying experience traveling alone, she wrote in a tweet. Hey, I've seen you from Abu Dhabi with the smiley face emoji tacked on. When she asked how we got her number, he explained, I searched you in the system. He clarified that he was working and used the airline system. Sorry for the trouble from disturbing you. Just blocked me, he added. Despite this, about 10 minutes later, the worker sent another message saying, FYI, your flight is boarding. Bruh. She was traveling uh, alone back to Preston in Northwest England and told the Guardian that she felt unsafe after the incident. I was alone. I felt so I felt I'm sorry. I just felt really vulnerable because it stuck out in my mind that he knows my number, knows my home address, knows my full name and email address. And obviously everything you give to the airline when you book. I just felt vulnerable and scared. This made me think like he knew what was going on and where I was going. He does know where you're going. He know where your crib is and everything. bro. Why? Why are motherfuckers so creepy? I understand the concept of you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. But, you know, the way you take a shot is you go to a basketball court, you get a ball, you shoot it at the hoop, and you hope it goes in. So the way you shoot your shot at a woman, you walk up to her, you introduce yourself, you tell her you're interested, you hope she's interested too. You can do whatever variation that you want to do. You can put your own pizzazz on it, put your own little sauce on it, and make it drip like you want. But that's basically the way this whole thing goes down. Anything outside of that is creepy. If you're going to like secretly get her information and then like, you know, just like jump at her. Like, it's not cute. It's not no secret. Admire your shit. It's stalky as fuck. You give it mad Joe vibes. You, I no one wants to be pursued in a way that makes them feel that they are a prey to a predator. If you feel what I'm saying? We all got social media. We all see all the crazy shit that motherfuckers is doing out here and you never want to be misconstrued as such and i know you're thinking i seen a movie or i know about this one situation where a motherfucker took a risk on some shit that could be considered creepy but the girl was already interested so it worked out let me tell you something this is akin to a white person telling a black joke that actually has the word nigga in it that bitch got to hit hit and it's still not gonna work it's still gonna be questionable that you chose to do it that way even if everyone laughs as hard as anyone could ever laugh it's still gonna be like "Mm, did you have to go about it that way but we laugh so we're gonna let it go your odds are the same on getting a woman's personal information off of her identifying information at your job and reaching out to her later on her being like that's so cute because he was just so interested in me. It's basically, you might as well be a white man standing up in Foot Locker saying, nigga, 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 and thinking that shit is just going to pan out okay for you. It's not a good look. It doesn't work. It's not worth it. You're just making people uncomfortable, and don't do that shit. I can't. I can't. Don't do it. It just, it, it just makes me so... I, I mean this in the most sincere and genuine and like non-shitty way i guess i could put it 
I'd be so happy that I am a man sometimes because I think that I have too much anxiety to even exist in this world as a woman. If a motherfucker got my identifying information from my passport and text me on some weird shit, it would be weird to me, but I wouldn't feel in danger. Cause I'm like, whatever, bro. Like you're fucking weird. I just block the number and tell people about it, but I wouldn't be thinking about it later. As a woman, bro, it's not the craziest thing in the world that this motherfucker now stalks you and comes to your house. Like that happens. We've seen enough of those stories for that to be kind of like the logical conclusion of this in some way. And they talking about we don't want to reveal his name. No, nah, nigga. We need his name revealed right the fuck now. Anyway. No, I only got one more thing for this episode and I'm going to get up out of here, y'all. This is something that uh, it happened a little while ago. I wanted to kind of talk about it before it all came to some kind of resolution. But uh, it is what it is. I still got to talk about it. But uh, let's play the theme music first. Fellas, hit me one time. We got to do better. Better. Got to do better, baby. All right, y'all. So by this point, I'm sure most of y'all have already seen this. You may not have, but we're going to treat it like a brand new story anyway. He got what he deserved. Carlisha, uh, Carlisha Hood video goes viral as 14-year-old son shoots man and sparks online debate. The surveillance footage of 35-year-old Carlisha Hood's altercations with the man, followed by her son shooting the said man, went viral online, sparking a debate about which party was wrong. The incident occurred last Sunday, June 18th, inside Maxwell Street Express, a far south side restaurant in Chicago, Illinois. Carlisha and her 14-year-old son now face charges connected to the fatal shooting. While both Hood and her son have been charged with first-degree murder, Chicago police have charged Hood with another count of persuading a minor to commit murder. According to prosecutors, Hood got into a verbal brawl with another man inside the restaurant. Shortly after, the man punched her a couple of times, this instigating Hood's son to pull his mother's gun and shoot the man. The man sustained three gunshot wounds and died later that night. The record recording, uh, the video recording the argument in the restaurant queue uh, was shared by some people on Twitter. One user shared the clip where the man identified as Jeremy Brown can be seen landing punches at Hood, then a gunshot is heard. The user opined that the man got what he deserved. Um, the rest of this is going to be like, you know, kind of the opinion shit. So that happened. They originally charged him with first degree murder. And then the charges ended up getting dropped a few days later, just to kind of fast forward through. Sorry. Then the charge ended up getting dropped a few days later, just to kind of fast forward through some of the, uh, Things. Real quick, I'm going to play the video of the actual thing real fast. You two fools! Who? Get the cop? Who? Hey, 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 hey. Get your food! Get your food! If you say one more thing, I'm gonna knock you out. Oh my god, I said one more thing, I'm gonna knock you out. It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. Oh my god, y'all. I did not realize that it was about to play that one. 
Oh my God, I hate the internet, bro. You niggas make everything a joke. Oh my God. Oh my God, I hate y'all. Oh, please let me. Oh, this is just the real. I had to preview this one before I could even play it after that last shit. Oh my God. Hold on, y'all. Oh, you know what? No, I don't want to play this one. Hold up. Let me just refresh. Right, here we go. Oh, get in the car. Ooh, get in the car. Oh, get in the car. Hey, 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 hey. Get your food. Get your food. If you say one more thing, I'm going to knock you out. Oh, my God. I said one more thing, I'm going to knock you out. That's the video. Um, there's a lot of things that I initially think about this, and there's two layers to this to me. There's an actual encounter that happens, and then there's the way that Carlisha Hood and her son had to go through their, their shit with the with the legal system. First, the encounter. In in no world to me does it make sense to escalate a situation to violence in that way and not do so with the understanding that you have now been the one that puts yourself in danger so here's what i mean by that right because what i hear a lot of people saying is like as a man you shouldn't put your hands on a woman and all this other shit which i believe all that too but even more simply than that if two men are arguing if you put your hands on me you now in danger. That's the way that shit worked almost everywhere in America. You know that we the gun totinous, the rootinous, tootinous motherfuckers around here. You don't know if I'm strapped. In most of these states, another person can take deadly force on an aggressor. Once you start putting your hands on somebody in America, you are immediately in danger now. Now, does it play out that way most of the time? No. You can win a fight more times than not. You can be like, I ain't scared of that shit. I ain't no bitch, whatever, whatever. Cool. Operate your life like that. No problem with that. It's not my life. What I'm telling you is that the moment you get violent with somebody, your life is in danger now. And he had to find that out the hard way. Because for whatever reason, he had whatever complex that made him feel like in this moment, he's got to be the most dominant person in this room. I got to show this woman that she going to do what I told her to do. All these people going to see that they can't fuck with me. I don't know what it was going through that man's mind. It made him feel like I'm about to punch this woman over a verbal disagreement in a chicken restaurant. But that prompted him to do so. The moment he did that, anybody in that restaurant who had a gun could have shot that motherfucker, period. And in my opinion, somebody should have. Maybe they didn't have to shoot him. Maybe they could have, if they like felt like they could have got him off in some other way or something like that. Cool, but nah, bro. You a danger to everyone involved right now. You a crazy motherfucker who just teed off on a woman because you was fighting, you was arguing at a chicken restaurant, bro. Like I just said, American, the gun toting this place. I don't know that you don't got a gun. And that's the way that the presumption of danger works in America, by the way. So it's unrealistic to say 
that you not putting yourself in harm's way whenever you escalate a situation like that. So when people are saying that he got what he deserved, I mean, he definitely got what you get. I don't know that anyone deserves to die. You know what I'm saying? Like, but not killing. So like, I don't know. Like, I just don't like to really go to you deserve to die. But I mean, again, that is what happens, though. That could definitely be what happens to you if you play the wrong person in the wrong situation and you don't know how to maintain yourself or have some level of composure in a situation and just walk the fuck away. That could definitely happen to you. Um, If it's my mama, you dead. Like the fact that it was her son, it's, you definitely dead, bro. And from what I understand from, from other things, there was a component of this where like he shoots him the first time and he like tries to run off and he follows him out and like keep shooting him. Um, and I mean that, that again kind of boils down to, are you still a perceived threat? Like, do I know if you go into the car to get a gun? Are you still hostile? Like I wasn't there. I don't know that part of it, but they did eventually drop the charges. So I'll assume that they at least couldn't prove that that wasn't the case. My biggest thing about this whole situation is keep your fucking hands to yourself. If you beefed out with somebody in a chicken restaurant, you know what you could do? You could just fucking leave. You could just ignore that shit. You could just, if they not presenting any real danger to you, you not the one who has to do shit, nigga. You the one who making it dangerous. Order your fucking chicken and leave. You telling her, if she don't say to order your food, lady, order your food. Lady, like, no, nigga, you order your food or don't or whatever. But all of this extra shit you doing, bro, like, you get what you get. You get what you get. And it's it's that simple. I wish it was more prevalent in society as a whole that people understood that violence is an option, but it's very rarely a solution. In truth, if you're not presented with danger, violence isn't even really a viable option, in my opinion. For me, I've grown to a point where I have enough self-worth and I place enough value on myself and what I bring to the world that, in my opinion, denying you access to me is the worst thing I could do to you. If we really got beef like that and I really think you fucked up like that or you, you really disrespected me in some kind of way, it's cool. I just won't fuck with you no more. That's it. That's the end. It ain't got to be nothing else. I don't need to explain to you why I don't fuck with you no more. I don't need other people to know why I don't fuck with you no more. I don't even need other people to know that I don't fuck with you no more. I don't care. You don't. You just don't exist to me no more. If you don't present any kind of danger or harm to me, you just a disrespectful motherfucker or you just a motherfucker who don't know how to keep your motherfucking thoughts to yourself or you just a dumb nigga. Like, whatever the fuck it is, whatever reason it is, I don't want you around me. It's cool. I'll just move you from around me and now you don't have that access. Whenever you need to plug into somebody who could assist you with something, you know what I'm saying, who would be willing to, to be the support that you would need in your life as whatever kind of role I would play, a friend, a co-worker or whatever, I won't fucking be there. And you could just go to another motherfucker who will allow you to berate on them and disrespect them or whatever. And I'll just peace out from the situation and move the fuck on. Because I'm going to be fine. And I'd be willing to bet with a mentality like that, I'm going to find it difficult to get gunned down by somebody's fucking son in a chicken store. The other thing about this is that they initially charged her with murder. Um... Her and her son with murder and basically upgraded the charges. She's now suing 
the Chicago the police uh, police department, which I did not know about. And she's got a, uh, she had a news conference and I, I was, I literally just had it up. I'm trying to pull it up for y'all because I want to hear it. There it is right here. Okay, hold up. I'm Carlisha, C-A-R-L-I-S-H-I-A. Last name is Hood, H-O-O-D. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the support for me and my family. On June 18th of this year, my life changed. My son's life changed. I've experienced pain in, in many ways many ways that I would never have thought, never. What happened to me was totally unnecessary. Never in a million years would I have imagined being brutally attacked, beaten, and then arrested. I am thankful that the Cook County State's Attorney dismissed the case. I am also thankful to have my son with me and, and by my side and also his charges being dismissed. I thank my family for supporting me and the people all over the world. The people did not play. Yes. And I just thank God everything was revealed. Um, and, and just everybody who has been praying and rooting for us, I, I just thank God for them. Um, that did not go unnoticed. You are all not forgotten. And we are praying for all the families affected by this horrible tragedy. I am now in the process of healing and putting my family's life back together. Um, during this trying time, we ask if, you know, we could please have space to rest and recover uh, from this life altering situation. And that you all continue to keep us in your prayers in the near future, I will be able to respond to outpouring of support. Again, I just need a little time to heal and to just get my life back with my baby. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Take your time, Take your time. Take your time, baby. That's it. Yeah, that's just. I thought that that was going to um, that they may have kind of talked about her suing the, the department. Um, but I guess that was really just her just showing her appreciation for the support, all that stuff or whatever. It's it's crazy. You don't even think about the trauma that people go through, the shit people go through for her to literally be attacked like that. It's Sometimes I think that we do ourselves the same disservice that white people do to us in a way because we normalize shit in our community that would just be considered a different thing for them, right? So what I mean by that is that if this was a white woman, everyone would have been saying she got attacked, she got brutalized, she got this. It would have been like we have this such a victim mentality when it comes to white womanhood here. And when it comes to black women, it's like, that same mentality that makes us feel like they're so strong and they could go through anything and that negative bullshit where it's like, oh, they're so masculine and all this other bullshit. Motherfuckers didn't even look at her situation like somebody who had literally been brutalized and attacked at a fucking restaurant. 
and the way that that might impact her mentally and the way that that may make it difficult for her to process things and the trauma that that's going to be for her. And then you add on the fact that her son had to murder someone on her behalf. Like, we think that shit is normal. Like, oh, yeah, he stood up. He did what he had to do for his mom. But he's 14 years old. He's 14 years old with a body. That's crazy. He shouldn't have to deal with that. He shouldn't have to live and live with that, even though it wasn't in malice and it was in defense of his mom and all of that or whatever. That's still a situation that as a mother, I'm sure she doesn't want her son to have had to go through to then have been charged with murder herself and her son is charged. So now she's wondering is her actions going to be responsible for her son and her losing their freedom? Because now she got to be in her head. Like maybe I shouldn't have been arguing with him. There's a part of any person who's going to start to think what part did I play in this coming to this? So I don't know. It's just not a small thing. She really did go through a lot. That family has been through a lot. And man, I just, I mean, I hope they get their fucking money. I hope that this is a, it's, it won't be, unfortunately, it won't be the last time we see something like this, but I do hope people that, I hope people see something like this and just be more, mindful of how important their lives are in all truth and honesty. But um anyway, y'all, that's all I got this week, man. Uh I'm going on, I'm going out of town for the fourth of July, but I'm trying to have some guests on this podcast. I'm trying to do some guest spots on other podcasts while I'm gone. So hopefully you may not get an episode next week. But once all of the releases come out from the work that gets done next week, you should get a real heavy I'm saying a couple weeks or two. So uh until then, y'all. Stay tapped in. I appreciate y'all as always. I'm out. Peace. Yeah. Double up the respect. Came through the wire, fresh out the fire, my mic check. Leaning and rocking, feel it yourself. It's high tech. Moving pieces all on the board. My nigga trying to see. Billion. My gift to gab on us. Escape trials and tribulations, fighting your honor. Shark in the water, grabbing for paper like I'm Nirvana. Code of honor that I follow, my nigga, is worth billion. Huh. Homie, fuck your greasy granny them. He been slapping shit so long, they gotta come and Grammy him. He so fly, he walk on stars, solar systems carry him. Bank account status when they bury him. Billion. Uh, make sure you say it two times. Dre, Dre, nigga. Make sure you say it two times. Trying to see the salad with the croutons Laying the foes down like futons For the billion Yeah, man, you're not tuning in there Fuck this shit podcast And billions 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 and bill